0: Usually a team's homecoming game is supposed to be one that you could perhaps comfortably put in the win column. And sure enough, the contest against Washington State, a 38-27 victory, resulted in the Sun Devils' first Power 5 win of the year, as well as their first Pac-12 victory. As we all know, this was an Arizona State team that was oh so close in most of its games this season. So what were the elements that helped them finally get over the hump? To answer that question and offer his thorough analysis, we invited the Sun Devil Network sideline reporter Kevin Turner to offer his perspective on not only this matchup, but also the upcoming one in Salt Lake City this weekend against Utah. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to the Devils Junkies podcast. I'm your host and devils.desk.com, publisher Hodor Rabino. And I'm here with uh, someone who uh, had the uh, privilege of being on the field and not on the uh, sky high press box last Saturday, watching Arizona state notch its first power five win of the season. I'm uh, talking of course about Sun Devil network sideline reporter, Kevin Turner. Kevin, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Ho. Thanks for
0: having me on. Absolutely. So, uh, you have a very unique uh, vantage point, which is li- which is why I like to have you on my podcast, uh, getting really the vibe of the bench uh, d- dur- during the game. You were there, obviously, a week uh, earlier uh, in Seattle, uh, seeing a team that was pretty motivated, uh, feeling they were on the verge of an upset, and uh, the game uh, just uh, w- w- went away from them in the fourth quarter. How would you compare that vibe to what you witnessed uh, last last Saturday a game where, especially in the second half, ASU just absolutely took control and ran with it. How would you describe those uh, two benches in those two weeks?
1: I mean, they're very similar. Uh, That's the one thing about uh, this year's ASU squad is that they are, they're very measured. um, They're focused. And we talked about this uh, with Jeff Munn on our uh, Sun Devil Tailgate talk show on the Sun Devil Radio Network and that I have yet to see anybody pointing fingers at anybody. And this team is, and we've, we've seen it. They're resilient. They know how to compete. They just haven't figured out how to win. And we've been looking for a game where there's been that, uh, that magic moment where there's complimentary football or the ability to answer your opponent's score or drafting off of a turnover or the energy of the crowd or a big play. And we've sort of been missing that in this 2023 campaign. And I don't like to say, you know, it was a moral victory uh, two weeks ago in Seattle, but that was, you know, a game where the team looked at each other in the eye and they said that was a game that we should have won, probably deserved to win, played better than a top five opponent. And for me, that was sort of the shot of adrenaline that this team needed. And I I thought they, you know, from what Kenny said, they had a, you know, a a really productive week of practice. Um, And they were able to draft off of a disappointing loss and turn a very disappointing negative into a huge positive. And we heard Kenny before before the, the game this week talk about what they observed or what a bus driver observed with the offense having a dirty bus, and the defense having a clean bus. And then to see what and how resilient and how competitive and the leadership and the intangibles that a Trenton Borgay provides this offense. And then you add and sprinkle into that a healthy DeCarlos Brooks, a relentless effort by the offensive line, and some playmaking uh, on the outside uh, with Elijah Badger, at one point, you know, Tim Healy threw it down to me and I said, you know, they've got these ghost jerseys. I said, Badger just came out of that scrum. He was invisible and just picked up 12 yards, breaking three mm-hmm. additional tackles. And he's among the nation's leaders in in broken tackles. So he has this innate ability to um, you know, to, to to reverse his field against the grain. It looks dangerous. It looks, you know, at the field level, I'm like, he is gonna get killed but he has this kind of this little bob and weave to him. And he's just got a sixth sense as to when to duck and dive and move and redirect his, his action on the field. It it is, it's a true um, gift from the man above because I don't know if you can train to do what he does. It's just, he's gifted in that regard. And then um, you know, no turnovers. So you put all those things together. Um, I guess going back to your original question, was the vibe any different? I will tell you this. Um, after the first series, I believe Washington State went 50, 15 plays, 75 yards to open the ball game. Mm-hmm. And Brian Ward, our defensive coordinator, for the fans that don't know, he's down on the field. He's not up in the boot, Yeah, And he lit up the secondary uh, like nobody else's business and essentially what guys were you know doing and it and it takes discipline to do your job and they talk about the 111th you know and what they picked up on is that guys were were coming off their assignments and they were playing coverage and you know it it sent a very loud and clear message and you've got to give Brian Ward credit for addressing that and nipping it in the bud right away to get that team focused as you saw and everybody saw at uh, Mountain America stadium, is it just how talented and gifted in, in real time and live and in person, how, you know, effective Cam Ward is as a passer, how quickly he releases the ball and how, um, how astute and how disciplined his receivers are and how fearless they are I was shaking my head thinking as a former wide receiver, I don't know if I could play in this offense because I like doing stuff on the outside. I like tunnel screens. I like fade routes. I look, I like to, you know, hit a soft zone or get off a man press, but man, calling that, you know, those kill shots over the middle. And those guys time and time again, were, you know, catching the ball in traffic contested, and taking big hits after those catches. So I guess the long answer is this team has been very consistent in their demeanor. But as I said in the pregame show, the thing that was missing with this team was playing complimentary football and playing throughout the 60 minute duration of the game. And I, my, my word was this team's got to be relentless from the opening kickoff, to, to the last second of the game. And I saw a relentless, focused team that, that had conviction and confidence and a belief that they could win. And that was that was one of the most exciting games in a long time we've seen at Sun Devil Stadium, complete game. And they just executed very well all night. I'm not taking anything
0: away from what, Holly, the ASU offense uh, played, because they did play you know, easily their best game of, of the year on that side of the ball. But it almost takes two to tango. And there's something to be said about playing a defense for Washington State that, let's face it, had horrible averages, whether it's on the ground or on, in the air, uh, coming into the game. But what in specific from an Nexus and O's perspective, Kevin, did you feel that the offense was really able to hit early and often to create this, this domino effect where everything was falling to place? Because it's not only that they – Posted 509 yards of offense, but extremely balanced effort, 235 yards on the ground, 274 in the air. What were the specific uh, elements that you feel that this offense does absolutely exploited from the opening kickoff?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was so much about exploiting anything as it was about um, an offensive line that is becoming familiar with each other. There's been a lot of mixing and matching. And the unintentional benefit of all that mixing and matching, now you've got guys that are experienced at moving from guard to left tackle to right tackle. But I think it's it's really all about the leadership and the the consistency with Leaf Vatanau and and also Joey Ramos and what they've meant uh, to this year's Sun Devil football club. And you know with with the consistent effort that we've seen over the last couple of weeks um, with that group being together. Um, I think therein lies the difference. We didn't have to, you know, mix and match on Saturday night. That that line that that started was intact for for mm-hmm. pretty much most of the game. Uh, you know, we saw Cade Briggs coming in and out and Sean Naha the, the true freshman from St. John Bosco here in Southern California. For those that don't know, I live in Orange County, I have a home in Scottsdale, but it's been, most of my time here in, in Orange County and, and follow the Trinity, Trinity league, which St. John Bosco, modern day, Santa Margarita, yep. uh, Jay Sarah, Servite. Uh, those, those are the top teams, not only in the County, but in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Naha coming from a very good program. So it's n- no surprise to me that he's having the level of productivity and a level of success that he's having as a, as a true freshman, but I'm just going to tell you, it was all, it was really about a relentless effort. And I'll use that word again with mm-hmm. the offensive line, giving Trenton Borgate time, you know, whether they were, uh, you know, running zone, whether they were running speed, uh, toss. It was interesting. ASU was, was overloading the boundary side with their formation and able to run, you know, toss to the field side, uh, De Carlos Brooks, really good, you know, ham and egg compliment to, mm-hmm. uh, to Cam uh, Scadaboo and he started the game. And then essentially Cam came in the second half and had fresh legs. And, you know, when you're leaning on somebody and they're getting discouraged and nothing discourages a defense more than a sound running game. And then you bring in the hammer and, you know, I I was so excited. There was a clip on one of the, I think the, the ASU posted, this mm-hmm. afternoon a their highlight video yep. and I'm jumping up and down on the sidelines with my, with my, with my, uh, speed card here, <laughs> egging him on to, to, you know, hit the gas. I thought he was going to get, get to the end zone mm-hmm. and he just mm-hmm. got his heel clipped, but that yeah. was an exciting, uh, you know, shot play explosive play. We've been waiting for one of those all year. And believe it or not, you know, cam has got some legit, you know, open field speed. Yep.
0: Yeah, I would agree on that one. Let's let's talk about the defense and look. I almost don't want to take for granted what Brian Ward has done with this defense. We pretty much saw it from game from from week one, and sure, the win and loss mark, uh, the some of the stats don't really bear out how special this ASU defense has been all year long. But you know what we what we saw in Seattle uh, two, two weeks ago, I think that was quite a bit of evidence uh, right there. And then you look at a game against Washington State, and you know this is a very tough game for Brian Ward to coach against, obviously part of that uh, staff just last year in 2022. And you always wonder like what kind of ch- chess match is going on between him and the Washington State coaches, how much do they want to change up, how much they just believe that you know we have a certain uh, standard, a certain philosophy, and we're just going to stick with it. It doesn't matter how familiar the, the coach on the other sideline may or may not be with what we're trying to do. And you look at 409 yards of offense by Washington State, you think, well, okay, you know, maybe not such a great effort by the ASU defense. But then you look a little deeper. Maybe you don't have to look really that much deeper, but giving up only six points in the second half. Um, did, you, did you feel that it was a defense that was bent by not break in the second half? Or what exactly did you see in terms of some of the key notes, uh, so to speak, that this uh, Sun Devil defense was able to hit on in the second half?
1: Well, I think it really started with uh, the last series in the first half when we took over after Washington had tied the score at 21-all. Defense, you know, a little gassed. I'm sure they were a little discouraged. And then it was complimentary football. The offense now helping out the defense, putting together a drive and getting in field goal position and having, you know, the opportunity to hit a 51 yarder and then, you know, we get it through the upright as time expires and, you know, and Dario Longado had had been struggling for him to get off the snide to hit that one. I think that was such a huge adrenaline boost for the entire uh, football team. And then um, I, I, I just think that they, I use this word relentless. I think they smelled some blood. Homecoming crowd and the crowd got loud and got behind him. And you know you can't give Deshaun Mallory enough credit. B.J. Green, C.J. Fight, edge pressure from uh, from Prince Dorba. Um, you know the back end played. You know except they kept everything in front and weren't able to force a turnover this week. But I think the key metric was. Washington State, just three of 12 on third down. And so we had two additional possessions in that game. And and therein lies the difference. And our red zone defense was, was fantastic. Like you said, we held them to, to six points in the second half. One of the most dynamic offenses in the country, top-ranked quarterback, fifth in the nation, to hold them to six points, uh, no touchdowns. So you could, in essence, like, we've put together six quarters, not consecutive, but holding two top uh, 10 teams in the nation in terms of offense out of the end zone. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. You, you think about that six out of eight quarters, uh, not scoring a touchdown against this defensive team, pretty impressive.
0: And I think uh, our knee jerk reaction after that Washington state win, that it really was a complete team effort. And to maybe nobody's surprise, just hours ago, Arizona State has not one, but three Pac-12 players of the week. Lee uh, the center offensive lineman, uh, player of the week, uh, Dario Longhetto, special teams uh, player of the week. Like you mentioned, that 51-yarder that he made uh, right uh, before halftime was huge. And, uh, and B.J. Green, an absolute uh, menace, uh, one-and-a-half tackles for loss, two-quarterback, Harries but here you are this week, Evan, uh, facing Utah, and this could be a literal pitchers' duel. And I'm mean, I'm talking in baseball terms, not even football terms anymore, because there was I one game, <laughs> the, the, there was one game where they won fourteen to seven. But uh, you, you talk about it team that on the one hand, uh, it is a defense that is definitely going to keep uh, Kenny Dillingham and the staff up late at night. Because how the heck do you crack a unit that averages? 17 points. And that's after being trounced uh, just a few days ago by Oregon at home. But on the other hand, uh, you're facing an offense where I almost feel like ASU's defense can, I'm not going to say take a breather, but ultimately you're still facing an offense that only averages uh, uh, 21 points. It's not going to be anything even like a, a Colorado or Washington state offense, let alone the better offenses that ASU played earlier against Washington, against USC you talk about the momentum that ASU has, and I don't know really if you know lack of momentum is how you would describe Utah because they're a very resilient team in their own end. But uh, it's to me, it's always hard to show the progress that you want to show when you have a very formidable opponent um, on on the other end. Um, how do you think um, ASU is going to be able to capitalize what it achieved? really not only last, last Saturday against Washington State, but also going back, like I said, two weeks ago against Washington and really try to win in one of the more hostile environments in the Pac-12 and against a team that even though their record may not be all shiny, they're still ranked 18th in the country.
1: Yeah, I, well, let me try to answer the question like, what does ASU have to do? Mm-hmm. It just it, They need a carbon copy of the game against Washington state. They, you know, this game is going to be decided in the trenches. There's nothing exotic that, that Utah does uh, defensively. Um, There's nothing really exotic that they do on offense. They're just really well coached. They execute fundamentals and it's a very difficult place Uh, to go and win. I believe they've won 18 out of their last night. They had 18 wins in a row Mm -hmm. uh, going for 19 against Oregon and Oregon was able to, uh, to win that game convincingly. Um, And I think, and I watched that game yesterday. I taped the game. I watched, I didn't watch the, the, I have the access to the coaches tape, but I wanted to, I wanted to watch the televised broadcast and to listen, you know, to, to Joel Cloud. I think he's one of the best analysts in the business. And, uh, what, what was evident in that game was that Oregon, you know, really their offensive line came to play. The running backs were, were relentless. Bo Nix, I think he completed 80% of his passes, uh, receivers, you know, won their one-on-one battles. Uh, they'll play a lot of man coverage at, in Utah, at Utah. Um, he kept the crowd out of it and, um, you know, they they played a complete football game on both sides of football. So, um you know the big thing with Utah obviously you know Cam Rising is going to be a, you know for sure a medical redshirt he's not coming back Yeah um Brant Keithy who tore his ACL against us uh at Mountain America last year in front of his own bench that's just tragic what a what a fantastic uh, football player and receiver he is but they've got the kid right here from, uh, went to school about a mile away from where I'm sitting, Mikey Matthews, Santa Margarita, freshman receivers, dynamic. Uh, Money Parks, nifty, nifty receiver. Uh, Devon Vele, the former walk on from San Diego, big six foot five target. He's playing really well. I think he had his career best game last week. I think he had eight receptions, could add a couple more. Um, but you know, they're struggling at quarterback and at running back. I mean, Jaquindon Jackson is a big stud uh who just pounded it down Main Street against us last year, the former uh Texas quarterback. Uh, he looks like he's nicked up, got an ankle or something. I mean, he's got a definite hitch in his giddy up. So mm-hmm. um if they can get the if they can run the ball, um, it's gonna be a tough game. I believe we can run the ball against them again with our one two punch. And again, you have to be able to run the ball. That silences the crowd. It demoralizes a defensive front. It allows you to set up your, your play action and your jet sweep and get your, your tight ends involved. Um, but it all starts with the, with the boys up front, with Isaiah Glass and Cade and Sean and Leaf and Aaron and, and uh, Joey. All those guys are going to have to play their, have their best effort uh, on Saturday, their, play their best game of the year us to have a chance to win okay
0: well kevin i appreciate your time as always uh thank you so much i uh look forward to our uh usual saturday meeting uh this time in salt lake city it looks like uh uh just like seattle uh there's going to be a really good football weather we'll see if uh, the result is also the same as it was uh, in seattle
1: well hopefully uh we'll see at the the team hotel and i'll I'll buy a a victory celebration beer and (laughs) hopefully a precursor to I'm actually going to I think I'm going to wear the same outfit I wore last (laughs) week because I'm I'm one of those suspicious receiver kind of guys. So I'm going to be on the sideline uh, looking the same as I did last week and I'll I'll wear it all the way through if if we keep winning.
0: (laughs) Sounds good to me. Thanks, Kevin.
1: All right. Forks up. Go Devils.
0: And that will do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'd like, again, to thank my guest, Sun Devil Network sideline reporter Kevin Turner. You can catch Kevin and the rest of the crew in their pregame broadcast from Salt Lake City this weekend, and it's going to be an early one. 8.30 8.30 in the morning, Arizona time, ahead of the 11 a.m. kickoff on 6.20 a.m. KTAR. And as always, if anybody listening to this podcast is not a subscriber of mine, I would love to have you as part of my Sun Devil community. And to do so, it's very simple. Just go to my website, com, click on the subscribe button, and you can get all of our content leading up to this week's game, as well as our in-game and post-game coverage from Salt Lake City. There's also lots going on already in the basketball recruiting world for the Sun Devils, and the season, believe it or not, is just about one week away from tipping off. And if you're a seam head, uh, we've had uh, several baseball features published in the last several weeks, so you can get your baseball fill there as well. Either way, uh, if you want to make sure you're not missing anything concerning your favorite Sun Devil teams, just make sure that you subscribe today at devilsdigest.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next week.